And I am joined in the studio today with both Hannah and Ralph from Trick of the Light Theatre Company. Thank you for coming in today, guys. Thanks for having us. Our pleasure. No worries. So, your show, Troll, this is the second part of the leg, right? So you've been in Wellington beforehand. Mm -hmm. How has it been received in Dunedin compared to Wellington so far? It's it's been cool. Uh, last night we had an audience who really wanted to laugh a lot, okay, um, and that was great. So is that what you're going for? Uh, yeah, I mean it's a real mix, eh? Like it's um, it's there are scary bits and funny bits, and um, you kind of start it and go, what vibe is this audience yeah. on? Um, and last night they were digging on some some '90s retro references. <laughs> Love it. Um, so this is the. Closing night tonight, is that correct? So you've had a few nights before this. Yeah. yeah. Has it? Does it change every night? Is there something a little bit different about every performance? Certainly. Every night we get new things wrong and <laughs> new things right. <laughs> it's also, this is a, a new show for us. Yeah. Uh, so the, the week we did in Wellington was the first week of this version of it. So we're still figuring it out and trying new things and um, we'll do something one night and then go, let's try something else. And, um, yeah. We're in this space that has these big white walls in um, in the Fortune Studio, yeah. And there's a lot of shadow play in the show, so okay. we're we're constantly discovering new things that are getting thrown up by that. Yeah. Um, so it's titled a Lo-Fi Wi-Fi Fable. Could you give us a wee bit of a rundown on the narrative of Troll? Uh, yes. <laughs> Please. Uh, okay. So it's uh, it's about a, a kid called Otto who's growing up in the '90s, in the late mm-hmm. '90s. Um, he's a 12 year old kid. Um, and it's just set sort of on that cusp of the internet really becoming a ubiquitous thing in, in households in New Zealand. Um, and he's just moved house because his Icelandic granny has come out to live with the family, um, who he doesn't like um, and doesn't know why she's caused this disruption in their lives. Yeah. Um, and so he's feeling a bit unsettled, and then he pulls a thousand-year-old Icelandic troll out of the wall. Um, and it's sort of about him him dealing with that and that as both a literal thing and as an internet thing and as a manifestation of his depression and anxiety. Okay. Yeah. And that Icelandic character, where's that come from? What's the connection to Iceland? We went on holiday to Iceland about five years ago now. Oh, cool. <laughs> we got really obsessed with Iceland. It's such a cool place. It's got a crazy geography, really small population, amazing sort of history of myth and folklore. Mm. And I think we've just been like tossing a dash of Iceland around ever since. Because <laughs> that title, is it referring to both the kind of mythical beast troll and like an internet troll, for example, or is it one or the other? It's, it's definitely both, yeah. Um, so we were interested in the, the fact that this is uh, this mythological thing that has shifted to have a new meaning, mm. and only fairly recently. Um, so it's kind of about that transition between the two. Yeah. So it was set in 1998, is that correct? Mm-hmm. That was the year I was born, by the way. Hey. <laughs> oh, <laughs> year I was born. Um, and that was really the fringe of the digital age, as you said. Yeah. That's the beginning of, of our internet age and that time that we began this relationship with the internet. What kind of preliminary relationship with technology does your performance want to portray? Because, of course, you could go negative or positive. Where were you guys heading with that? I, um, I definitely don't want to be coming down either of that sort of binary fair because enough, yeah. uh, it's it's more complex than that um i mean the internet's a tool so it depends how you use it right yeah it can be good or it can be bad and i mean it's for our character it's just this exciting place that nobody really knows 
anything about and how it works. So he gets to navigate that on his own in yeah. the Wild West. Yeah. And especially at the time, it's like this, this new landscape that has opened up. And for him, it's a landscape that's totally foreign to his parents. So yeah. he's venturing out into the wild. Did you aim to go in that kind of social commentary route when you first started writing and directing this play? Well, we talked a lot about when we were at the character Otto's age and how we experienced the internet because, yeah. you know, wasn't born in 1998. <laughs> was born in 1982. <laughs> so I was a little bit older. Um, but, you know, it was... Um, I remember a time before the internet very clearly and then I remember the internet existing and it changing my life. Yeah. And I think we wanted to kind of grab that cusp and, and use it. So it was a bit of a reflection on your own experiences as well? For sure. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, and the show was initially performed to only 10 people, is that correct, at your apartment in Wellington? Yeah, yeah. it's a really economically sound decision. <laughs> How has it had to like transform to suit the needs of a larger audience? It's, it's transformed pretty radically. Yeah. So, so the first audience, uh, when we first made the show, it was um, on no money whatsoever, um, and we ended up putting it in our house because our earthquake, uh, an earthquake meant that our venue fell through. Oh my gosh! Um, because the building had been um, red stickered or yellow stickered or, yeah. or whatever it was. The whole street was closed. Wow. Yeah. Um, so the original design was was pretty dictated by the fact that I was performing in about a metre square at yeah. the foot of the stairs. Um, and so we had a lot of OHPs we were using in the first season. Um, and one of the original ideas that we hadn't been able to, to realise in the staircase version was having Hannah as quite a, an active uh, operator of the show on stage. So yeah. in a sense, it's a, a solo show, but... Um, Hannah's super busy, especially now in this reworked version, so coming mm. on and and operating the lights and the projector and, and puppetry, which um, when you're trying to share a one metre square space just doesn't really flow. Yeah, because Hannah, you designed the show, is that correct? Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty collaborative, organic process, which I think all, all of our work is. But um, yeah, I've, I've made a lot of the stuff that is in the show. And how has it differed from shows that you've designed in the past? Well, this one has a really contemporary bent. So I think uh, quite a few of our previous works have been based on sort of paper craft mm -hmm. and there's been lots of um, shadow puppets and um, paper mache and pop-up paper work. Yeah. And this show is based around projection and um, electrical cables and smartphones and keyboards and, yeah, just things that things that live on our desks nowadays. Yeah, you have all sorts of really interesting uses of light, and uh, tell us about some of the items that you use within the actual set of the performance. We wanted to have a, a, a rule, I guess, um, which was partly dictated by necessity, whereby we use uh, things that we had to hand and in transformative ways. So here we've got uh, computer keyboards and smartphones and uh, this tiny little Pico projector but we're not so much using them for their digital properties, but more using them for physical things they can do. So okay. uh, the keyboard turns into a skyscraper, and uh, a lot of the show is lit by a smartphone torch, oh, um, wow. which we discovered makes really cool silhouettes. They're yeah. really nice, powerful lights. Um, and so it's manipulating those things and, and transforming them. And you mentioned puppetry before. I mean, that genre might kind of stop people in their tracks for a bit. <laughs> How have you utilised that genre and made it more accessible and relevant for a contemporary context? I guess the show has two kinds of puppetry. It has... Um, we use a lot of little Lego figurines and we project across them. So the shadow of the figurine is the the shadow puppet and Ralph manipulates it on the 
um, on the desk. And I think people find a real delight in seeing how it's happening and yeah. and like watching it transform in that way. And then there is also a troll puppet, and he is um, made out of um, uh, computer cables <laughs> and LED lights and extension cords. Yeah. Yeah, and so he's a, a surprise and a delight. With the <laughs> and is this yeah. a solo performance? It's just one person in the actual performance? Yeah, ish. ish. Uh, so it's it's me for much of it. Okay. Um, and then Hannah. But I'm on stage the whole time, yeah. busily doing things. Okay, cool. Yeah. So how does that kind of solo aspect give the audience a show that a show with multiple performers wouldn't? Mm. Um I mean, I think there's a, a real immediacy and there's kind of a... There's sort of a no-bullshit thing about it that I quite like yeah. uh, and that I think extends through through the staging, through the seeing the strings, that we, we know there is a, a, a performer who is um, embodying these various different characters and we get to see that transformation. Yeah. So it sort of strips away a, a layer of the pretense, in, okay. in a sense. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Um, and... I mean, it's been compared to the ilk of, of Stranger Things, which is quite interesting. What type of audience do you think would get the most out of this performance? I, I think there is definitely a lot of material there for people who remember the 90s, because, well, there's just some comedy in there that won't make any sense to you if you do not remember the 90s. <laughs> yeah. And the but, sound of dial-up internet and things. <laughs> yeah. But there's also, I mean, the, the essence of the story, which is about a boy who is feeling alone and anxious and a bit depressed and Mm. is having problems at school and fitting in and with his family. I mean, I think that applies to pretty much anyone who's ever felt unhappy and isolated. Yeah, oh, that's really awesome. So you also have, so in terms of um, your actual theatre company, you've done, is it The Bookbinder was your previous show? So how is this troll one differing to The Bookbinder? And what have you learnt in between those two shows as well? Well, Bookbinder was our first crack at making a, a solo show. We've made a bunch of shows before that. Okay. Um, but Bookbinder was the smallest one that we've made, and kind of by accident we figured out um, that it's much easier touring small shows than it is big shows, Yeah. and people are more likely to book them because they cost less money. Um, so with this one, we we were a bit more canny about going into it and and wanting to, to limit the palette of stuff that we're working with, which... Yeah is often the best way of getting interesting results as well. You, yeah. know, you, you discover things through limitations. Um, and then definitely we wanted to shift the palette. So as Hannah was saying, a lot of our previous shows have involved cardboard and paper, and that's because you can get them free. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so with this one, we wanted to to use the other things that we have uh, in, in our lives all the mm. time. So, you know, the phones and, and keyboards and... And things that um, we kind of just take for granted, but are always always there in a room or lying around on a desk, and yeah. and use that as the material to 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 create surprising images on stage. Yeah, and you took that one global as well, didn't you? You took it out of New Zealand. Mm. Yeah, so we performed the bookbinder in lots of places: um, Australia, the UK, the US, South Africa, South Africa. Wow. Um, in May, we're going to Canada, and we're going to be performing it in Calgary oh, at cool, the cool. International Children's Festival there. Are you taking Troll outside of New Zealand as well? Hoping Hopefully. to next Hopefully. year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, awesome. And so if anyone's listening and they're still a wee bit on the fence about joining you guys tonight at the Fortune Theatre, mm-hmm. what are you going to say to convince them to come along and have a watch? 
it's a really good time and I, I think it's something you won't have seen before yeah um, it's it's an experience you, you don't often get um, in in stages um, to see this kind of transformation and this kind of material being used yeah um, and there are some really good jokes Okay, fantastic. I think we have a wee bit of a tune from the show tonight. Mm. Um, of course, at the Fortune Theatre, that's at 231 Stewart Street, starts at 6pm, and there are still tickets available? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Where do you get those from? At the Fortune. At the Fortune, perfect. $20, I believe. We have a wee bit of a tune. Now, this is, I asked before, your favourite song that you use. Um, as Is it background music? What is this song used for in the show? Yeah, it is. Uh, so this is a, a sequence that plays out with some projection and okay. we're really lucky we've got a, a composer and sound designer we often work with called Tane Up John Beetson um, who first made this this beautiful wee thing but over a period of uh, a day for the Staircase show wow. and so has come back and really extended and expanded upon that yeah. um, and this is one of our favourite tracks Oh fantastic, so this is called Otto's Theme which is the protagonist in mm -hmm. your show We're going to have a wee bit of a listen Thank you so much for coming in both of you today Thanks for Pleasure. having us on Thanks so much